fireworks, lucky money, and debating who has the coolest zodiac sign. That's right, today we're talking the Chinese Lunar New Year. I'm Jess McCarthy and welcome to Stuff Explained as we find out more about the celebrations and traditions of this special time of year for the Chinese community with National Secretary of the New Zealand Chinese Association, James Toe. No my heart and my James, thank you so much for joining us. Kia ora, Jess. Now, people that don't even know that much about Chinese New Year know one thing and that's probably their own zodiac sign. Mine is the water rooster. What is 2023 going to be symbolised as? Well, 2023 is going to be year of the rabbit. So Chinese New Year follows like the lunar calendar, and it's normally the first day of the new year when there's a new moon. And that normally happens around the second half of January through to the second half of February during that period. And Chinese New Year next year is going to be January the 22nd. So yeah, back to the um, the Chinese zodiac. So there are 12 animals, um, each with its special characteristics, traits, and talents. Yeah, for the rabbit... Um, those talents are being calm, peaceful, artistic, elegant, having good taste in life, and also paying attention to detail. It's also interesting that they are a, a water rabbit next year. So the water adds on people-to-people skills. So very good at diplomacy, very good at negotiation. So next year, um, for anyone born in the year of the rabbit, this is their year to shine Wonderful. Those all sound like excellent qualities. I have to ask, is there any kind of negative qualities that are ever assigned to these animals or is it always nice things? Oh, they're mostly nice things. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm a year of the pig and so we're known for indulgence, if that can be um, called a bad thing. But I always look at it about uh, just enjoying the good things in life. It's an excellent way to think about it. So how do the, is there a cycle of animals that we go through every lunar new year and is that the same with the elements? Yeah, so let me tell you the story, if you haven't heard it before, about how the animals were sort of chosen and how they sort of were um, accorded to different years. So the story is that there was this jade emperor and he assembled all the different animals to, you know, represent a year. So the jade emperor thought, okay, let's sort this out by doing a race from one side of the river to the other side of the river. There were 12 animals in the race. You have the rabbit, of course, got the rat, you got an ox, you got a horse, you got a tiger, you got the pig, you got a snake, got a dragon, a rooster. So all these animals are at the starting line and they cross the river. There's a couple of animals that can't really swim that well, but they're also very smart. So one of them was the rat. Now, so the rat decided that it was going to be quite hard to sort of like uh, paddle across the stream. It was a bit of a current. So he decided he'd hitch a ride on the ox. It was actually the ox that did all the hard work getting from one side to the other. Just as the ox was about to step on, on the other end, the rat jumps off and pips everyone to the finish line. So that is why the rat is actually the first animal of the Chinese zodiac. I mentioned pigs being very indulgent. They're also very slow and take their time. And it was actually the pig that was last in the 12-year cycle. And then how did the elements get added in on top of that? So there's different elements. You know, you've got the water, you've got the fire, you've got other sort of um, different representations of um, characteristics. And I guess water being free-flowing and all that talks about the calmness and the idea of being able to negotiate currents and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, so each element also represents a kind of uh, attribute 
of each animal. Can you talk me through again why it doesn't line up with the New Zealand New Year, the Chinese New Year? So it follows the cycle of the moon. So, you know, you've got your full moon, you've got your new moons, that kind of thing. So in the old days, when a lot of uh, cultures were farming cultures, they would rely on the seasons, you know, when do you have to plant um, the seeds, when do you harvest? And so they'd look to the moon to do that. So that's how the lunar calendar came about, to measure measure time. The other thing, I guess, is uh, timing itself of the new year. In the Northern Hemisphere, it's timed around the arrival of spring. So in China, that Chinese New Year period is actually called Spring Festival, and that spans about 15 days. So we have our 12 days of Christmas here. In China, you've got the 15 days of the new year. I was going to ask that. Is it comparable to Christmas in terms of its importance in China? Essentially what it is, it's about bringing people together, um, particularly where you know now a lot of us are very busy and working. We, we separated from family. It's a time to get back together again. So in China, that new year period is one of uh, three golden weeks. So these are times where there's a good length of holiday where people can get together. So you've got the New Year, there's also Labor Day in May, and also October, um, there's National Day. So those are what are called golden weeks. And during those times, you'll see a massive migration of people, you know, millions and millions moving back from the cities to their home villages and back again so that they can spend time with their family. Yeah, we hear so much about the, the whole idea of homecoming when it comes to Chinese New Year. What do you actually do once you come home? Yeah, well, um, like Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, um, it's the Eve that is most important. So it's not necessarily the Chinese New Year day as such. It's the night before. And that's what people rush back for. It's um, a big dinner normally. It's the big reunion. It's all about food, right? Uh, so <laughs> there's special dishes that are brought out. The big one that you must have is fish, okay? And the reason for that is because of the way you say fish in Chinese. It's yu. Yu means fish, but it also is a homonym. You know, it's a word that sounds like the word for abundance or surplus or having lots of stuff or more than enough. So that's why you have fish to sort of represent that. And then there are special dishes which you cook normally for Chinese New Year because the idea is that you want to cook a lot, but then actually on the day, on New Year's Eve, no one wants to work, no one wants to cook. So the idea is you have food that you can prepare in advance and you can sort of like, um, you know, enjoy over those 15 days, I guess. So this food has to last. So there's things like sticky rice cakes, there's fried turnip and taro fritters, there has to be roast pork or a roast chicken heaps of vegetarian dishes, a whole lot of food that's all brought out. And then depending on where you're from, because, you know, China is such a big place, um, a lot of diversity, there'll be um, regions where um, it might be a particular type of dumpling or a particular type of dessert, or it could be noodles or any other kind of regional favorite. And a lot of those kind of dishes are normally prepared at home in the kitchen as a way of bonding, you know, getting together, doing things together, both learning how to cook, but also handing down different kinds of heritage and family traditions. So it's a really nice time to get back together and, and yeah, spend time. And I remember as a kid, you know, we'd spend hours just rolling out the dough and filling it with a bit of pork mince and chives, carefully wrapping it up so you didn't want it to fall apart when it, you know, it goes into the water, but you, you toss it in, into the into the pot to, to cook. Yeah, you get to enjoy what you've made. And then, of course, afterwards, um, after dinner, everyone's full, and then the uncles and aunties are all breaking out the mahjong tiles, and then you hear this clickety-clack, clickety-clack um, late into the night. Oh, I apologise to anyone who's hungry, because I'm certainly hungry now. I wasn't before. Um, 
I want to talk about decorations because, again, if I bring this back to Christmas, I know that's a reference point for a lot of people. How do you decorate your home for Chinese New Year? The decorations are normally anything that's auspicious and bringing good luck, bringing prosperity, good health, all those kinds of things. And normally that's actually written as a little piece of calligraphy on a red banner, which you'd stick on the wall or on a door as you're entering the house or entering a particular room. So the first thing you, that, that, that you see will be these auspicious phrases. And, you know, they're things like about good health, prosperity, all that sort of thing. Um, so that's the main kind of decoration. There's also other sort of uh, tr- traditions, I guess, um, during the period when you're going to visit relatives, um, particularly grandparents, the kids, and basically anyone who's actually just not married, you get to have this thing called a lacy. A lacy is a, a, a red packet. It's also known as hong, uh, hongbao in, in Mandarin. It's a lucky red packet, a little red envelope, and inside is cash. Yeah, it's... Um, Yep, what every just kid wants um, during, uh, you know, for New Year. It's um, either left under the pillow, you know, just like the Tooth Fairy does, or it's presented when you're visiting those friends and grandparents and relatives. But you don't just get it for granted. You actually have to ask for it nicely. So you have to go up to your grandma or granddad and you've got to chant auspicious phrases, just like the ones that you'd be hanging up on the wall. So once you've done that, you've paid your respects and um, then you get um, handed over the money. And then, uh, yeah, it's, um, oh, that's right. The money has to be an even number. So inside that red packet, it's an even number. So like a $10 note or a $20 note. Uh, you don't want to put an odd number or a, or a coin in there. It has to be a good good amount. And in particular, like I mentioned red already. So the other um, color that's often used to represent all that prosperity is gold. So you'll see gold and red being used a lot. And so those are the good luck colors. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, James, and teaching us about this amazing festival and all the traditions behind it. That's it for this episode of Stuff Explained. I'm Jess McCarthy, and on behalf of our producers, Philippa Tolley and Jono Williams, thanks for listening. You can find more Stuff Explained online at stuff.co.nz and make sure you like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Matewa. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.